0: To Cloud Bar, SoundCloud's discussion series where we bring together a panel of experts that can provide insight and resources to you, our creator community, that will help you as you're forging and plotting your career paths, creative paths, path, whatever you might have in mind. I'm Naima Cochran. I'm with you again for the Music Entertainment Education Series. And this week, we're going to talk about three very crucial aspects um, in any aspiring artist, producer, executive uh life which is building a sustainable career the evolution of the anr and publishing 101 and we're going to start with what i think everybody really wants to know most about which is building and sustaining a viable career and we have two great panelists um with us today we have ben willis who is the co-founder of indie pop independent welcome ben and we have Monique Blake, who is the CEO of, Monique, I to make sure I get this right, the CEO and founder of NEA Creative and Management, but also the general manager of Swiss Beats Productions. Welcome, Mo. So I'm really excited that I have you two here because you represent, to me, um, both sides of the current business industry. Mo, you've been in the game since the 90s and kind of started on a very traditional path um, and working with an artist who's been in the game for you know the same amount of time. Whereas Ben, your company is specifically focused on building sustainable careers for artists who started in this streaming digital kind of new era of entertainment. That's actually like you, that's your mission as a company is to start these artists out on an entrepreneurial path. Yeah. So I think that you guys will both be able to offer great perspective. I want to start by saying that I realized that there are no questions that have a one size fits all answer. But still, you know, I'm gonna ask you some anyway, <laughs> and, and as general as you can be, or as specific as you wanna be. But the first question I'm gonna to ask to each of you, and um, Mo, I'll start with you. You know, I think that, and I said this last week on our panels too, the thing about the, the the digital, the expansive knowledge available on the internet now has given a lot of fans and aspiring artists and aspiring executives just enough of a peek behind the curtain so that sometimes they think they know a little bit more than they do know, right? And a lot of people talk a lot about being a boss and being a business comma man and being, you know, and and building an empire without necessarily maybe always knowing what those risks look like, what that planning looks like, what those decisions look like. So the first thing I will ask is for each of you, what actually does it look like? What does a sustainable and evolving and expanding career look like? What does it look like when an artist decides to become a business instead of just an artist, and monique, I'll start with you
1: yeah, I mean I think Swiss uses a really great quote in saying, if you've never been hot and cold at least once or twice in your career, then you know you you've got a long way to go because you know just attempting to um, sustainability is hard, you know, like technology and how quickly that is evolving you know you can become the master of a certain you know product or um um program and by the time you get to put it into action there's something else right so you can actually i don't i hate to use the word lose time but you can actually lose time in having to keep up with the technology in order to remain current um, and then if you're someone who's doing it all on your own, you don't have a team, because there are a lot of people who are really doing this on their own. Um, and that in itself is just difficult because you'll never know everyone. You'll never, you know, like you can know a lot. I know a lot of people and I still don't know everyone. You right? Know? I've been doing this for a really long time. So I think there's so many different layers to being able to sustain um, from just being able to stay ahead of or as as ahead of as possible as you can. Um, with the technology as it's coming um, in, but then also staying in tune with who the players are because right. you can know everything. And then by the time you get to the buildings, everyone that you thought you knew who was in the buildings is now gone or has been promoted or is, you know, that in itself is its own matrix to to keep up with. Um, right. Who the gatekeepers are. Um, right. I remember coming through, I mean, as an intern, I have friends now who are presidents. So it's not even the same people controlling... <laughs> the 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 checkbooks the the decisions anymore like even that in itself is just an evolving or revolving excuse me door of people who are growing and and you know stepping into positions creating positions um and like it's it's definitely it's a tough thing to navigate but if you can figure out a sweet spot you can do it it's doable for sure
0: so there's so adaptability is is an absolute must and like that just just stay keeping i would say like what some people might call keeping your ear to the street knowing who the players are knowing keeping your relationships current um having a team around you who who also can stay current and but i want to really point out the the swiss quote that you said at the top which is if you haven't been hot or cold a couple of times then you really haven't been through anything yet so there should be expectation that you're not always going to be hot like, you're not always going to be at the top. You have to go through
1: peaks and valleys in this thing, right? Absolutely. And that's okay. I think people sometimes get stuck in when they're not hot and then the panic that or the anxiety that comes with dealing with not being the topic of everyone's conversation. It's actually okay to regroup. It's actually okay to be quiet for a second. It's actually okay to take a step back and see, okay, when I was doing what I was doing and people were into what I was giving them. Um, And now that that attention has shifted, what about who is now current is something that I can pull from, you know, I think there's, there's power in being able to just pause for a second and say, okay, we've done it once. We are going to do it again, but how are we going to do it differently so that we get back to where we were? Thanks, Mo.
0: And, and for you, Ben, the same question, keeping in mind that you're working more with With new artists, you know, your business has been around since 2007. Mm -hmm. So whereas Monique is working with like, you know, Swiss this has been the game almost 25 years now. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with artists who are still on a a new path and also largely independent, like kind of indie artists, right? So I think we don't often think of, I think sometimes when we think of indie artists, we don't really think of what, you know, a really long career looks like. For an indie artist, We think of somebody with a lot of money, with a lot of backing, with a lot of lights and all that good stuff. So for you, what does like, for your new artists who are coming in, what does that, what does that, what does that look like for them? What do you guys think of when you're bringing them in? As like, how do we chart a course for a sustainable long-term career?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, sustainability is such an interesting thing. I mean, I, I got in the music business in 1996 and my first job was at Rockus Records. So I looked after Mostef, Talib Kwali, Faro Manch. and I, you know, whether it was on purpose or by accident, my pedigree is and was at an independent label. So you know, fast forward, after doing that gig for you know seven or eight years, and and then starting another business and trying to understand myself how to create sustainability for myself as an executive, I was able to pull from all those different things and understand how things work. and And honestly, you know moving forward you know when we started the company in 2007 2008 you know we were in our country was in a serious depression I mean you know the stock market bottomed out Uh, real estate was a serious problem Um, and the music industry bottomed out the music industry was a wrap so people were like yo like you're gonna start like a music company in like 2008 and I was like well this is the only thing I know. And I've had to take some time off in my life to understand what it is I really, really want to do. And to speak to Mo's point, because this, you know, that Swiss code quote is pretty, pretty poignant. I mean, like our first success as a company, and it will go back to your question, Naima. like, you know, our first success was with a group called the Cataracts and a girl called Devin. They wrote and produced a song called like a G6. And like a G6 was amazing. like, I mean, We're two years, our company's two years old, and then boom, massive success. Holy shit, we're on. I can't even believe this is happening. You know, the Cataracts do a massive publishing deal, massive record deal. Dev does a massive publishing deal, massive record deal. We're two years in the grind. That happens probably 2010, 2012. The Cataracts break up, Dev fires us. And we're like, yo. We just had this thing going. So to speak to your point, Mo, like we had to take a look at, okay, now as, as executives and as a company, how do we rebound from this? We know that we'll rebound from this. We know that we will have success again, but how do we, how do we change our, our path? And so to speak to your, your question, I think it's about setting goals and setting a path. Because the, the reality is, and I my, my daughter just started high school yesterday and I was like talking to her about this. And over the summer, I had her read a book called The Alchemist. And basically The Alchemist is all about finding your personal, who you are basically. you know? And at, at the end of the book, she said, well, like he didn't find the riches in the pyramids, but like what, what was the, you know, what happened? And I said, you know how I always talk to you about a process. If I start to develop an artist and the goal like, let's say, is to have a number one record. Let's just say that for argument's sake. The Cataracts is a perfect example. The boys as a group couldn't get any rhythm, but as writers and producers, they became, for those couple of years, the biggest writers and producers at that time. But if we didn't have a goal to get here and we didn't follow that process, we wouldn't have figured out that the writing and producing was going to be their bread and butter. So I always say that it's about the process. It's about taking a look at, like, where do we want to go? Okay. Now, once we start going there, we have to analyze that process. What works for us? What doesn't work for us? How do we refine this thing to make it better? And so I just really say, you know, my business partners always say that oversimplify things and I probably do. But the reality is, is that like when you love music and you're in it, you know, as an independent person and as an independent business owner, We have to know what's going on in the marketplace, but I can't dwell what's going on in the marketplace because Mo, what's working for you might not work for me. So if I'm over there, like, well, damn Swiss is doing this and Mo's running this business and and she's doing this. Well, how come we're not getting this look at Spotify or this look at Apple music? Like then I'm going to get caught up in that. And my business is going to be a failure. I put these blinders on and I work really, really, really hard. And I think for our artists, when we're developing them, we have to have, we have to set goals and we have to, even if it's a small win, we have to celebrate that win and continue to move forward.
0: I think that, so you brought up a couple of things I want to circle back to. The first, Mm -hmm. you saying like, even though you have to pay attention to the marketplace, as an artist, as an executive, as a counselor, manager, whatever, even though you do have to pay attention to the marketplace, there's no formula. Like there is no, if you do A and B, it is automatically and unequivocally going to equal see right because there's too many variables Uh -uh. including just individual star power and um, so I think that's important because yes you do have to follow trends and and, and it's good for an artist to come in and look at like a swizz career or look at you know a songwriter's you know getting a hot joint like G6 to send 30,000 movies 22 commercials you know like that thing and say I want to you know like you'll see people who look at Jay I think Jay is one of the biggest examples that's usually held up for people as, as like a hip hop entrepreneur um, before that, you know, I think um, for, I want to say that um, Master P was really the first one who we saw who was just doing everything possible and say, I want to do exactly that, but you can't do exactly that. You can aspire to something like that, but not exactly that. But I also want to go back to the fact that Ben, you mentioned evolving as a career. So we're all three of us are similar. We all got in the game around the same time like late 90s. I started as intern to label executive, bounced to like party promotion for a little while, came back to label, went to TV for a little while, came back to label, then to management, now management and like journalism. And the thing is that this game, period, as an artist or an executive, if you plan to be in here longer than what, like five years, you got to know how you want to roll and move. And adjust and adapt and rotate in order to be able to like this isn't really there are very few executives who really make this like a life thing unless you adjust in a couple different ways can y'all talk about that Mo I'll go back to you first as well because we do also
1: have aspiring executives watching yeah I mean I think the question I get asked all the time is how how have you been able to stay in the same role or with the same client for as long as you have? You know, I've been with Swiss now a little over 15 years directly. Call it 18 if you include the time when we were working together when I was at J Records, you know, and I'll be honest, in my mind, I probably quit about four times. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, because there's those days when you're just like, okay, today's the day and I'm done. Um, but I think that is something that I think is missing, you know. People are so excited to come work in the business, and I'm like, you know, it's it it it's a great industry. And I, I will never, you know, take anything away from the it. It is a grind, but it is a grind.
0: Yeah, you like know? a not a sexy grind like y'all think a grind. Like it's a like grind means it wears on you. It is a grind. Yeah.
1: something. Social media, for as much as I love it, for the amount of you know reach I gain from it, um, it definitely adds a a different lens to what people assume it takes to get to the levels that a lot of us have really, you know, grinded it out to um, attain. Um, And that, like I was saying, I think that's one of the things that's missing is just that reality or even just, you know, to um, Ben's point, how do executives evolve? I don't even think they know. I think sometimes people are just happy to, when they're just frustrated at a job, be able to get an interview and get another job and be like, okay, poof, I'm growing. But kind are, of
0: my chance and choice, yeah, 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 more than planning.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, th- I literally wake up every morning. I thank God because I'm in a situation where I have the opportunity to learn every single day. No two days are the same. Um, you know, we're not perfect. There's days we make decisions that don't pan out. Um, And in those decisions that don't pan out, I find I learn too, you know, and just being open to meeting new people. I'm always thankful to be able to be in conversation with people that I've never been in conversation with before to learn what they know um, and just take all that in. And I think, um, you know, that's one thing that I would love to see become uh, a tool or a resource to those passionate Um, young creatives who do want to dedicate themselves to the business just to be able, you know, to not end up in situations where, you know, we're losing executives, you know, we're losing Mm -hmm. um, professionals who people assume are good or are Mm -hmm. chilling or Mm -hmm. are winning or, you know, and it's just like, it's deep. Mm
2: -hmm. It's
1: deep because this business it really for as amazing as it is and for as many, you know, careers that its birth and, and, and a, the amount of money that's made in it, you know, it's really, really deep. Um,
0: I think that, I think that also goes back to the Swiss quote, which I'm probably now going to quote for the rest of the day, but being, being having your hot and cold moments and how you react to correctly. those, because you can be, you know, the biggest thing walking one year and then people, kind of forget your name the next year but then you can be back and and it's kind of like your 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 resolve to play the long game and and i think that's really what what a lot of this is about like your willingness to play the long game it's kind of like what people tell you about the stock market or any other risks you take is just like to float through it and and talk and, and you've been already mentioned in your evolution as an executive you know you mentioned process and and also the fact that at a time of great risk so just to set the framework for um some of our younger you know creators who are watching who may not understand the music industry was supposed to be recession proof it was supposed to be indestructible it was supposed to be the one place that you were always printing money and in the late 90s like in the mid to late 90s as 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 urban music was growing like literally almost it felt like anybody could get a jv it felt like anybody could get a job it felt you know we were shooting million dollar videos and like, every video you see from 96 to 99 is actually really what it looked like. Like, it was really like that. And so wow. there was a lot, there was a lot of money. There was a lot of money. And then this thing called Napster came along and the music industry didn't know how to react and spent two years chasing their tail, which threw us into a, to a down, to a downspin while they were trying to figure out how to adapt to digital music files. You know, Napster was 99, iTunes music didn't start until 2003. You know, it took that long to adapt to digital file downloads legally. So I I say all that to say, to you Ben, when you decided that you were gonna, and we'll get back to artists in a minute, but even as an executive, you know, the entrepreneurship, deciding to start a company, like you said in two thousand, in the midst of a recession, in the midst of a music recession, in the midst of you know, eighty million articles that were like, is our major labels dead? Is the music industry dead? Does anybody care? um what, like, in deciding to take that on yourself, what factored into your decisions? What factored into who you were going to do it with? What factored into who you were going to take on as clients? Like, how, how did even that come about?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good question. I think for me, whether right or wrong, I just still believed in hit records. I had been a part of a lot of hit records and I felt that if I could be a part of one from an independent standpoint, we would probably make a lot of money. And we found these kids called the Cataracts in the Bay Area, which I thought were doing something so different and so special. So I just, I put my blinders on and and look, I don't think, I think ultimately as a human being, if you're going to do something in life, you have to believe in it so much, like so much, because we all know that people say, no, no, that's not going to work. No, people pass so much judgment in our business specifically. And I, that's one of the things I never do. I'll never tell someone that it's not a hit record because you could be that dude with egg on your face and sitting behind the desk. And we've been in those situations where, where people said it wasn't a hit. And then we just charged them triple once it was, you know what I mean? So like I think ultimately my decision was that I was so passionate about music and I was so passionate about these boys. Like I felt that there was something really, really special and I needed to be a part of their career. And I think that like, when you have that passion, you will make it, you know, it's not a matter of like, if it's just a matter of when, you know, I I can remember, I never forget, man, like when that, when that hit happened, I was so broke. I was at the, You know, me and my wife at the time and my daughter, she was two. We had just moved to L.A. We were it was the it was the it was it was really, really tight. But I believe me and my partners believed so much and then we pushed through it. And so, like, you know, um, I don't know if you necessarily want to start a, a business based upon the decision of your gut, because a lot of people also fail that way as well but that's all a part of the process. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to go in and make the decision to start a business and it's, and it's a failure, that's actually better than it being a a success right away because then you get to learn why it was a failure and you get to, you get to fix those things. And I think we have to look at the silver lining and everything. We gotta look at the silver lining, everything in life. So when I decided that I wanted to, I'll tell you exactly how it was. I uh, was sitting on my couch. I was like, I wanna start a company called IndiePop, which stands for independently popular. I called my brother-in-law. He was just graduating New York law. And I said, Yo, Josh. We were sitting next to each other actually on Mott Street. I was like, You wanna be uh, you wanna be my partner in this company called IndiePop? I was like, You're like graduating law school, so you can handle the legal. And he was like, Yeah, for sure. And that's how we started it. You know, fast forward two years later, we needed to get an attorney because he was like, Man, I don't know how to negotiate these things. <laughs> you know So that's when we got proper counsel, but that's how it happened. And I think also like, I think for me, that decision ended up panning out because it was purely because I was in love with what I was doing. I wasn't like, yo, let's start this like management slash development company. We don't really know what it is because we need to get paid. No, it was because I love music that much. And that previous to that, I had already been in the music business for 12 years. So I had been groomed by the best people I think in the music business. Bad, good, and indifferent, I got to see so many different aspects of the music uh, business on other people, on another person's dime, you know what I mean? And right. so when I was ready to invest my money. I, I knew I knew what, what could happen.
0: So talking about doing it for the love and and talking about being broke at the moment that you got your greatest success, we we've, we've heard those stories like plenty of times, right? And I think that points to something really important as we switch back to the conversation about the artist side of this. Um, one of the things I think is a byproduct of the streaming era is, and Mo you kind of touched on this, the sense of everything happens right away. Like I'm gonna decide, I'm gonna get in the music industry and I'm gonna be a vice president tomorrow. Or I you know, I wanna start this company and I want my act to hit tomorrow. Or as an artist, like I wanna get on and I want to be out here and and like, you know, putting all my boys on and have the biggest hit in the world tomorrow. And I say those things don't happen. Like, you know, there's for every long grind. There's a puff story where he went from intern to friggin senior executive in a year, but into having his own label in like two years. But it's but those are rare. Right. That's that's the very rare talent. That's the very rare ear. Um, for most people, it is like an overnight success that really took five years or six years. Well,
2: usually five overnight successes are five to ten years in the making.
0: Yeah, there' there's always like the grind you don't know about. They're just overnight in terms of how long they've been visible to sure. the mass population. Exactly. So as you know, both of you now say that, you know, on, on your side, Monique, but you're consulting and and then just as a, as a label executive period that you're drawing from your own experiences, your own evolutions, your own learnings and failures when you're consulting people. So what, what do you tell them about how to plan out? Because the digital era is very much about, we need a hit right now. Like artist development is kind of a lost art. Um, putting that upfront investment and time has kind of, has kind of been marginalized in favor of how quickly can we see a return on investment and it, it partially because, or largely because the music industry has been hurting for so long. It's just now making money again in the real way. Um, so what do you tell your artists about how they need to build um, or advise them about how they need to build at what point they need to grow or like what things they need to do first before they start thinking I'm going to be a mogul? Um, Mo, I'll
1: start mm-hmm. with you. Um. I always ask people straight up, do you really want to do this? Um, <laughs> because do not be fooled by other people's successes and how long you and your mind think it took them to get there, but do you really want to do this? And are you prepared to hear no many times? Mm-hmm. Um, and And you know, once we get past those questions, you know, I then say, just know that nos are a part of your story, and no's will mean something to you later on down the line. I've had projects and clients where no was the dominant um, response, and then someone said yes, or we were like, you know what, we're going to figure it out, we're going to find this money, and then those same people who said no to Ben's point, who then had to come back around and wanted to have a conversation because, you know, money will definitely Remove pride and people will come back and say, hey, you know, <laughs> like for as much pride as you might have to say no in the beginning when that when it's a hit or those are superstars and, you know, they're the most popular thing. People will circle back. And we've been in situations where we now have the power, you know, and we could ask for what we want and we could do, you know, what we needed to do. So my advice is always make sure that what you're signing up for is what you're prepared to sign up for because there will be more than you could ever imagine coming down the pipeline and you know attached to your dreams um good and bad um but be patient too you know like this isn't us this isn't a sprint this is going to take some time you a real
0: know? marathon and, with the yeah. cram and the fatigue and the whole nine all no, of that
1: absolutely. Yeah. um ask anyone who's made it you know and they'll tell you the real story about how long it took them to get to what you then saw or what the public saw you know, and um, I think that's a truth that I never shy away from when I speak to people. Is like, you know, we could be having this conversation again in two to three years. You know, right. I, I sometimes feel I work with the handicap that people look at Swiss and they're like, oh, but he's so successful. I'm going to go work with her. And I'm like, Swiss's success is not your success. Right. You know, he works yeah. 25 hours a day, eight hours. I mean, 25 hours a day, eight days a week. Right, right. He'll work himself sick. You know, and it's bad, but he's such a dedicated hard worker to his dream and to his, you know, um, legacy. And what you see is him really pouring into it every single day. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah.
0: Yeah. And what about, and what about you? What does that conversation look like for you then?
2: You know, yeah, it's, it's a really tricky conversation because when you're sitting with a potential new client and they're like, you know, I really want to, I really like what you guys do. And I like what Kyle's done. I like what Una has done. I like your company. I like what Made in Tokyo has done. And they take a look at all the snapshots of all the people that we're in business with. You know, when you're, when you're sitting on the side of trying to win a client, you have to just be completely transparent and honest with them. And, and, you know, I will never say to someone, if they're like, well, if I sign with you, will I get this, this, and this? And I say, honestly, I don't know because we haven't started to work together yet you know like i keep it pretty loose because the reality is is i'll tell them this is a th- probably a 3 to 5 year grind for us to really get it up and running but i also like to throw back i saw this on an instagram clip i don't remember but it was really funny and the dude said to the artist well why should i manage you like why should i manage you that's real that's so real cuz i've been doing this for 25 years you want to come up in here and tell me all the things that you're going to do so why no you should sell me you need to sell me because if and this, is, and this is what he said in the clip if i decide to work with you that means i'm taking on a new responsibility i'm taking away time from my family but more importantly i'm taking time away from myself for your dream yep. for your dream so you need to tell me why i should work with you and i think that like and I know that that might sound kind of crazy, but it's the reality, dude. Like when we're sitting here doing all this stuff and I'm like, sometimes you'll have those moments with your client where you're like almost trying to convince them to do something that you know that's good for their career. I just stopped. Years ago, I stopped. I'm just like, cool, you don't want to do it, don't do it. And then we, minim- we minimize the damage. And I think that like, I think that, yeah, I, was, I sit down with someone and I say, it's going to take three to five years. I don't know what's gonna happen because we have not started to work together. This relationship, like my relationship with Yuna is phenomenal. It's been 10 years. She trusts me. She trusts me to do what's right for her. Um, Kyle, he trusts me. You know what I mean? We have, we have built this trust, but these types of trust, this doesn't happen overnight. So we need to figure out, are we gonna to work to good together? So a lot of times I'll work with people on a trial basis to see if it works out and i uh, and i'm and i'm smart enough to know that the overnight success mm, probably 99% of the time isn't going to happen you know what i mean so i'm safe to say that um, if you don't want to work with me that's okay cuz chances are you're probably not going to be successful anyway. this <laughs> <laughs> is kind of realism based upon <laughs> pure mathematics i mean this there's is true. only there's only one swiss piece right
0: this is right no, i think one jc like enough.
2: Like yo, like when you just yeah. hop and pop music, like I'll say this real quick. People always say this thing like, "Yo, well, you know, like I'm independent," and I'm like, "Yeah, but who cares? Because the minute that like you put a song out, you're competing with um, Rihanna. You're competing with you're competing with the Kanye. You're competing with the biggest artist in the world. No one's gonna give you a look because you're independent. It's either your music's good or it's not good." And if right. it's good, then, like the person that Spotify discovered it, or I was able to give it to them, and they felt so passionately about it, they want to help push that. Well, that's another conversation. But, dude, it's a lot of work, and and we have to go. We have to go hand in hand like this into success, because if not, it won't happen.
0: I think um, that's. I'm glad you mentioned. Well, I'm definitely glad you mentioned the management thing, because I think a lot of people really underestimate the amount of personal um, sacrifice managers make for for artists, right? That's, it's an intensely personal relationship. And not only are you giving mm-hmm. up your time and your energy, but you're also availing them of your resources and your relationships. So that's mm-hmm. like, that's your name you're trading on too, yeah. you know? Um, but secondly, in terms of like the artist thing, you're, um, you made a great point, which is those of us who've been inside a label, we know how many artists. So first of all, the number of artists that get signed are few the number of existing artists out there who look for a deal and actually land one are few. Out of those, the ones who actually make it to release are fewer. Out of those, the ones who actually get a hit are even fewer. And out of those, the ones who have an album career that goes longer than their first deal term are yet even fewer. So, I mean, it's like the statistically not telling anyone not to kill anybody's dream. And and it's even, it's I would argue it's easier, to put your music out. It's harder though, to make a real impact now, because there's so much in the landscape yeah. that you have to compete with digitally. So it's easier to get it out there and get a crowd. It's harder to actually break through on your own to, to get um, mainstream attention. But now, so now let's talk about though, like beat all those odds, you're growing. Um, Ideally, you get to a point where you create other, last week we talked about diversifying revenue streams, so you create other lines of business to help your money work for you so that you don't have to be beholden to an album cycle and touring, and you can do like Dr. Dre and maybe never record an album again if you want to in your whole entire life. Who cares? So Or or, or Rihanna, just take 18 years. Whatever. Like, so you could just get to that point where you can follow your passions, craft some other things and do your music as you want to because anything even if you love it if you have to do it it starts to become annoying so that you can do it with the love but then there comes this thing of like ownership and investments and mom i'm gonna i'm gonna go to you like tim and swiss like are everywhere this summer because you know versus was the rare it's so rare to find something new in music entertainment right now even in the digital space so they created something new but that was also Old and classic at the same time, like just a, a a battle series, but also revolutionary right now because it focuses on catalog mm-hmm. instead of new music, which nobody's doing, which i I personally am very thankful for. Um, and but one of the things that Swiss and Tim and both talked about and full transparency for everybody watching i know quite a bit about this because i just wrote the billboard cover story on versus um but something that (laughs) something that tim and swiss talked a lot about is the fact that they had potential investors partners everybody knocking at their door um right off the bat and a lot of people were just kind of like why aren't they taking the money why aren't they making a payday why aren't they doing xyz like why aren't they why aren't they going for the, the grab or why aren't they building some new tech for it. Why are they doing this and that? Totally missing, I think, what Versus was providing. So can you talk a little bit about that, like making that choice between I'm going to do the thing that's going to net me the most money versus I'm going to do the thing that has an opportunity to grow and become something bigger but still under my control?
1: Right. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, Versus definitely just – Fell out the sky, you know. I um I. I was telling someone the other day. I was like, you know, I really thought my my uh, pandemic time home was going to be quiet, and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the special thing about how Swiss and Tim went about approaching verses was making sure the artist saw the win even after the battle. So. You can come and you can do your two hours, and everyone sees you, and it's hundreds of thousands of people in the room. Great, but what else are you doing, as it relates to? And even just remove the time that we're in, right? What else could you do that could increase your other than put out a new project that could potentially increase your or your catalog in the upwards of 150, 200 percent, 300. We're seeing records go back in the top 200, like just insane. Um, I didn't know that I still don't know of anything that really I mean maybe a performance at an award show but then that's still yeah, so
0: Larry Jackson said the only thing Larry Jackson who was um head of global creative at Apple for those listening, mm-hmm. said the only comparable thing he can think of is a Super Bowl performance yeah that's
1: right crazy. and and not everyone is ever going to touch that like there's to your point that you made earlier of all the artists that we know and of all the great music, that, there's a handful of artists who will ever touch that stage. There's some who will do it twice before other artists ever touch that stage, right? In reality. Um, but that was just the special thing. And one of my favorite things about verses is just the nostalgia that it gives you as a viewer and then what it does for the catalogs, you know? And then what it allows people to then do with their catalogs and just, you know, there's songs that we've heard in certain battles and I was like, wow, I remember when this song used to be on repeat. You know, and then like just how creative everyone is just getting about how they even approach getting ready to watch them or how they approach, you know, what happens after. Like I went and did a workout class and one of the playlists from one of the previous battles was the the music for the workout, you know, and just seeing how people are taking that moment of seeing, I mean, which is even a new moment. Wherever have you seen two legendary artists actually, now you might see two, Headlining touring acts, but they perform two totally different shows at two totally different times. Right. So to get that at the same time, like song for song, or however the artists are figuring out how to weave what I like to refer to as like their own blanket at the end of this, right? Because you don't know what it's going to be, right? You can just think about however many songs you think they might play, get to verses, and go, oh wow, I wasn't thinking, or why would they play that? So it's just, you know it ignites conversation. It ignites so many things other than the catalog as well that I think is what made people kind of fall in love in terms of just entertainment. During right. This time.
0: But I think, I think it also was really special about, and this is no shots to Teddy Riley. I love Teddy Riley dearly, but like, you know, when Teddy was kind of being hesitant because there was, you know, his thought of driving to a revenue generating platform and a lot of people were kind of thinking more like, if the artists are doing this, they should get a check and they should do this. And I think versus also speaks to like that short-sightedness of I should have money immediately versus
2: let me do this
0: thing that works organically and it's going to create opportunity on the back end. Ben, what are you about to jump in with something on that?
2: No, no, I was, I was just saying that's a different mentality and a different sort of way that we do business. I mean, like, you know, I think that what you had mentioned earlier about Napster and how it took the music industry so long to figure it out—it's like if you have good music and you're and you're an artist that's just like brand new, just give it away. You know what I'm saying? That's why. Sound- and that's
0: what that's what started well, happening. And the mixtape boom came because the music yeah. industry. Was dragging I mean, the speed. SoundCloud yeah.
2: is SoundCloud was built off of the the artist entrepreneur. You know what I mean? The artist that was like. Yo, I got this music. I need to get it in front of as many people as possible. And that's the thing. Like now, nowadays, like to fast forward to the younger kids that we work with, I, as like a 42 year old man, I have to like, listen, to, i listen to my client. Like, I'm like, so, yo, like, obviously I have these like super entrenched, deep, longstanding relationships with people that are like my age. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if there's really gatekeepers anymore. It's like, which which I think is, which I think is phenomenal because. Like Spotify has leveled the playing field of the way an artist can work. You know, mm-hmm. it freaks people like me out because I can't go in and like twist the knobs and turn the handles and get the thing. You know what I mean? But and I
0: think SoundCloud did too. Like the idea that you know artists had autonomy and could just throw a song up and yeah, was, all of a sudden it's like gigantic and no a&r no label presence no whatever like you're just doing it on your own it also freaked some you know music industry establishment folks and some purists out like there's no quality control but it also but it also was a, a opportunity for these artists to connect creators to connect directly no,
2: for sure well it, to, it, it was, to it's peer, it's peer-to-peer it's peer-to-peer yeah. it's a peer-to-peer type of thing and like when you're an older person in the music business that lived off of publishing deals and record deals, you have no concept of understanding of like, if you give a song away for free, like we represent a kid called Ronnie J and Ronnie J created the whole SoundCloud XXX Slump God sound. And that all was birthed on SoundCloud. That was all birthed on SoundCloud. And these kids didn't have nothing. They were just making amazing songs and it birthed this whole genre of music. And that's a phenomenal thing. And guess what? That all started out free. Now we know how to. We all figured out how to monetize it. But I think if if you if you make something, you should give it away and allow people in the beginning give it away and allow people to love you. Allow people like, you know what I mean? What the weekend did with the trilogy? I mean, like right. everyone like loved the weekend. They're like, holy shit, who is this dude that's making this like drug induced emo R and B? Like this is amazing. You know what I mean? Right. And everyone was searching for it. So yeah, I was just jumping in to say that because I think that like, when you deal with the older school mentality, that shit has been shattered, man. That's a that's a, yeah. it's not a, it's not in existence anymore. And so as an artist and as an executive, you have to like listen to the younger generation and really listen to them. I think the reason why I'm successful, is because I'm really nice to people and I listen to people. I don't like. If you come in the room and you're telling me about some shit I don't know, I'm not gonna have an ego and be like, oh, well, like I know about that. Like, I don't know about it. And that's why, that's why a lot of the clients I work well together, is it, we're running a business together. You know, the artist is the forward-facing brand. That is the, that's the artist. But the back office, you know, the people that push the papers and make sure the taxes are done and making sure that sound, you know, sound exchange is right and royalties right that's what we do. And so we have to talk to our clients and we need to best service them humanly possible and try not to make mistakes. You know what I mean? But those happen too. So
0: So that was, so that was a good segue into one of the other questions. So, you know, giving things away for free at first so that you can draw people to what you're doing so that people can build an organic love so that you can see what's really there before you start putting paywalls and just basically not as people say, stepping over a dollar to get to a dime, right? Really seeing the long game, but but to a point. So that mm. brings me to at what point? At what point does an aspiring anybody, artist, executive, creative, need to start really considering? Any certain players in place like you mentioned even on the executive side you guys realizing you needed a different kind of legal counsel because mm-hmm. all lawyers are not created the same and music contracts are really complicated and confusing yeah. on purpose um and so like or or like you just said the back of house people making sure the tune core and sound exchange and all yeah. of those things are, are 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 taken care of properly and mo i know that's a probably a large part of your job too making sure that like everything's buttoned up on the back right because it's always back and and even the bigger you become the more the more business investments that you have the more risk you take on the more you need those teams so what do you think is a artist responsibility in in educating themselves and if you have any you know thing you point to to read any tips whatever knowing that this is a quickly changing landscape what isn't an, an aspiring entertainment anything's Uh, responsibility in educating themselves and in seeking out the right people um to put around them and i'll I'll just come back to you ben since you were already kind of on that path
2: yeah i mean i think i think you know there's a couple different ways to do it right because the thing about it is, is is what we do as a business when you're an artist you're a business you know that's why you're an entrepreneur so you know when you start a business, like let's say you're an artist and you want to get an LLC and you call your attorney, or you call LegalZoom and then you go into Zoom's back in and you start an LLC and then you assign, you assign rights and all that stuff. You know, the reality is is that you want to be buttoned up as much as humanly possible. So you either learn about it yourself or guess what? There's a few people in the music business that are really, really, really phenomenal attorneys and you, and you attorney up. And you get someone that's good. Now, you know, the, the problem is you have to do your research on these people. But I do believe that because you're a business and because you're building your business and you're building your brand, you need to make sure that everything is buttoned up from, from dollar one. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm, a grown, I'm a grown man. And, you know, in my early 20s, I had a ton of tax problems because I wasn't buttoned. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? I mean, tax, the, taxes to this day are still like. One of my clients called me this morning so upset about being audited. Like right. he was like, yo, I'm being audited again, you know? And it's just like, I'm like, okay, well don't worry about it. Let's just dig into it and we're gonna figure it out. It's not a big deal. It's like, but the reality is, is like you have to be buttoned up. And I believe that because you're a business, you have to treat yourself as a business. Like you truly yeah,
0: do. Be so many artists and entertainers entertainers fall into like the tax Traps. Somebody said last week, like their first piece of advice to everybody when to get a check is
2: pay your, pay your taxes. taxes. Take fifty yeah. percent, right? Fifty percent, and just put it over there. Now, if you don't got to pay that fifty percent, and maybe you're gonna only pay thirty percent, cool. Then you're gonna get some money back. But you're you're basically you're independent, so you have to pay your own taxes. No one's gonna pay your taxes for you. Don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't
0: come out of your check. They don't come out of your check.
2: Yeah. You got to be smart and you got, you know, that's the other thing, man. I mean, ignorance is bliss, but not with taxes because you will get, you will get smashed. You know what I mean? And everything that you've worked for will be taken away from you. And you know, the other thing is, is like credit, man, like credit, your credit is everything and Mm -hmm. you, you need, you have the opportunity as a new artist and as a new business person to start on the right foot or the wrong foot because rebuilding it is a motherfucker and you don't want to be in that position because I've been in that position too and so like I can speak candidly about these things because I've been in every situation imaginable right having hit records losing acts having to pay back taxes you know what I mean so I'm good now and thank god I've I've like weathered that storm but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like I had to learn from those mistakes, but you know, my, my advice to anyone that's starting a business because you are a business is making sure that your back end is solely taken care of, and whether that's going to H and R Block to do your taxes or paying you know the guy up on Fifth Avenue to do your taxes, you got to do it, man.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I think a lot of people think that you can hold that till later, and you can't. It will it will definitely catch up with you. Um, so it's I want to yeah. I wanna take a couple of questions um that we have from the group chat and. Mo, I think I'm going to throw this one to you. Um, And and, and actually, Ben, you can chime in because I'm sure you have some thoughts on this too. Uh, This is something that we're starting to pay a little bit more attention to, and Mo, you touched on this earlier. In recent years, what role does the talent's mental health take in building a sustainable music career? Um, And and I think we can talk about this as talent and as an executive. Um, You know, talent gets on the road traditionally very young, Sometimes they have somebody they know with them. Sometimes they don't. It can be very overwhelming. Like when you've been working and working, and all of a sudden, once the, once the song goes, it's like, okay, do these do this radio promo, go to these stations, talk to these people, do these meet and greets, do these shows. You're on the internet where you're making mistakes in real time, and nobody's gonna let you forget it. And <laughs> people are gonna to you. So I have seen some more uh, emphasis and conversation around the because. When we all started in the nineties, it was very much just like, you don't sleep, you don't take vacation. There is no personal time. You eat, live, breathe this, this shit. Like this is it. This is your life. And that was accepted. Like you trying to take personal time was like, what are you talking about? And and that clearly has evolved because the, the culture has grown up. We're all older. Um, But Mo, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like how you factor in when when your artist needs a break when they need family time when they just need to chill when it's christmas when i know you know when they are clearly stressed and stretched too thin or anything
1: yeah i mean i um i am i come from that no days off no breaks no like that's why i think i was actually looking forward to being at home for a second um and have actually told myself multiple times in being at home for as long as we've been home that i i will not go back to the way i was working and moving before it's not an option i will work hard but i will not run myself into the ground because i was headed there and mm. i have a child i have an 11 year old and mm. um you know she understands obviously that my mommy does a job that's very important and it requires a lot of her time but she would be the one to say, "Mom, you're tired. You need to take a break." Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay because we're just so programmed to keep going. Because there's also that small anxiety in the back of your head, like what I don't do, someone else will. Or you know, they 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 give you they feed that into you directly or indirectly. Yeah. However, um, the information is coming in, and I think you know, mental health is important for everyone. It's not any more of a talent thing than it is an executive thing. Like we all are in this, and um, time for you is so important because, you know, we don't do, it's not like, oh, okay, we pop in at 10 a.m. and at 6 p.m. we're done. We close the computer and our work stays at the office. That's not an option for us. I you know, know, I'm on call sometimes depending on what time zone I'm in. I remember I was in London a couple of weeks ago. I was taking conference calls at 2 a.m. trying to keep up with the West Coast. That's mm-hmm. not healthy. Mm-hmm. That's not normal. But it's what I do and what I, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Um, but you
0: have to find the balance.
1: Correct. The balance is very important. So there's days now where I won't check my phone and people say, Hey, I emailed you. Yeah, I, I saw it. And <laughs> I promise I'm gonna get right back to you. And, and it's not in a way of, you know, that, what they're coming to me with isn't important. Everything is important. And I respect everyone's passion about what they're reaching out to me about. Um, but I've had to really draw the line and because I'm the nice person. I'm like, oh my God, whatever you need. Yeah, sure. I'm, give me two seconds. I'm gonna come right back to you. I got you. And if you do that 40 times a day for 40 different people who need 40, sometimes 50 things, because some people are showing up with two requests or three requests, you'll burn out. Yeah. And what happens is when you burn out and God forbid you're replaced or you're no longer here, they will move on. And that's where you don't want to end up you want yeah. to be able to keep your peace mentally physically emotionally spiritually whatever it is yeah.
0: again sustainability like you need to you need to be sustainable in your Self mood.
2: preservation for yeah. sure yeah. i mean yeah. you just gotta yeah you gotta learn how to create boundaries i mean like with my clients you know with you know with my earlier clients when i started the business i was very close with them my newer clients i have completely set boundaries i'm like listen like on the weekends, if we have something going on, of course I'll be available. But like, I also need to set time for myself. And if I get back to you a little bit later on a Saturday or Sunday, don't take it personally because chances are I'm like with my daughter either. Right. She's an athlete, so she she she's constantly on the move and on the road doing stuff. So I have a lot of other things that, that are going on as well. But I think that to speak to your point about how do we keep the mental health of our clients together, you just have to be super tapped into what's going on with them. And if you're on the if they're on the road, you have to someone have to you have to have someone that's safe with them on the road because especially if you're like a singer, like a lot of people like to party, a lot of people like to drink and stuff like that. But you cannot do like two or three nights back to back and get fucked up each night and think that it's gonna work. Cause it's not gonna work. Because because your body will just shut down. Like that's just so in order to not allow the body to shut down, we have to stay close and and really in touch and make sure that our clients are healthy, that they're feeling okay. You're doing mental check-ins with them, making sure that the schedule is not too crazy and constantly having that, that that conversation about, are you okay? And can you handle this? And is do you need a break or do you not need a break? Because it is a long game. And like, when you have a hit for the first time, you know, your schedule is going to go insanely crazy. So you have to be prepared for that. So, you know, I think like-
0: Be prepared for that. I think that everybody thinks no artist is ready for how busy their schedule gets ever not a one not a single one of them are ready for how real it gets and they all get cranky and they all get ornery and they all get mad because you got them doing 52 things in one day um but yeah be be prepared for that um i'm curious do you and i want to get to one other question before we wrap but first i want to ask do either of you advise your talent and i guess really this might be them for you because because so much of your talent is newer and younger Mm -hmm. about how to navigate the digital space because so many of these artists to what we said earlier broke through that direct peer-to-peer contact through digital but then as you're growing we see a lot of examples like you make gaffes or you misspeak or you just haven't there's something that you're 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 formal formulating thoughts on really important things but you're doing it in real time yeah right and 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 in public and with the potential for a lot of you know, backlash and, and screen caps and, and all that mm-hmm. other stuff. Do you ever advise your clients about how they should navigate the social space? Because it can, yeah. that also can take a beating on you
2: emotionally. Uh, 100%. I mean, in the beginning of any artist's career, we send them the media training because it's all about media training. Like You have to know how to speak. You have mm-hmm. to know how to, how to act in certain situations. And I think a lot of times, It's just about taking a beat and taking a deep breath and figuring out not reacting right away because because you know when we were coming up we didn't have social media so you could you know you would hear these crazy stories about artists doing this or doing that but it was kind of like folklore you know what I mean now if something happens it's immediate so a lot of every single artist we work with we send the media training so that they at least know how to speak in interviews and know what to say and what not to say but a lot of it is also common sense too it's like. If a fan says something to you that you don't like, just, just don't respond, like it's okay. Like you don't need to get your EO involved. So yeah, we do, you know, we try, we try to stay, try to stay close on that. And, and so far I'm trying to think we haven't had any major issues in 12 years of business.
0: That's, good. That's amazing. Um, do you guys have, the last question I'm gonna take from the chat before we wrap. I get this question a lot, and I'm not always sure how to answer it. I'll be honest in the current landscape. Do you have advice for people on how they can get into the music business side as an as an inspiring you know executive or somebody who just wants to work in the game? Mo, I'll start with you.
1: yeah. I mean, I still stand by being an intern. But what I do suggest to people is, is don't go for the popular departments, you know, be open to taking an internship in finance or in, you know, just the departments that don't seem as exciting as the others. Because for me, I, I'll be honest, I started, I took an internship at J Records in promotions, but I wanted to intern in computer science because I was studying computers at the time. So I'm like, promotions, all I could think about was flyers and, you know, hand to hand and I'm such, I'm naturally shy. So that to me was like, I don't know. Um, and it ended up being radio promotions and that's how I learned the radio business. And then from there just literally popped into different departments and learned those sides of the business as well. So interning is still an area that I always suggest to people, you know, don't be, um, don't shy away from that because you're you're not going to be as lucky to meet an artist and ask them, can I work from you, work for you? And they say, yes, that's far and few in between. Um, but don't be, Discouraged um, if you do need to be take an internship that's in a department that isn't you know where you see um, the excitement because you'd be surprised what you can learn and who you can meet. Um, I always suggest people go for the finance department go for the they write the checks. Those are actually the pieces of the business you really need to understand if we want to keep I it up. The, up, I, up.
2: They you know. are. I, I agree I think the internship is great I actually interviewed an intern the other day and I was like so like what do you, you know what do you what do you want to what do you want to learn and I was so blown away because finally for once he didn't say A&R and I was like thank you Jesus right <laughs> <laughs> like, oh you know, like you know a and I'm like you yeah, do you even know what that means like, no you, they don't no. you we're know, we gonna
0: talk about it though but no
2: <laughs> exactly so so yeah I, I agree I think interning is uh is phenomenal and my biggest my biggest piece of advice is like don't ask for money in the first like three to six months of your internship, because then you're just gonna get fired. I hate when people are like, yo, I've been interning for like three months, like, can I get a salary? I'm like, can you get a life, man? Because no, you can't get, like, you have to, what do you you have? What are you offering me? You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, it's an interesting one. But I think internship.
0: An internship, and remember that it's a learning opportunity and take advantage of it as such. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think people forget that, that you're supposed to be there to learn and absorb. All right, guys. I want to thank both of you for your time and for your insight as a parting thought, um, in the time that we have left from each of you, I'm going to ask if there's like one nugget, one gem, one learning, one best practice, one piece of advice, one book they should read that you want to leave with our viewers. Okay. So I'm going
1: to give you two, right. Um, for those who have made it or, or where, you know, um, my tidbit is is be who you needed when you were coming up. Um and for those who are working to get there, don't talk yourself out of the rooms you work really hard to get into.
2: That's so good. I love that. If I could, if I could say a book, it would be Hitmen, if you've ever read Hitmen. A phenomenal book. Mo, it's all about radio. That's my background too. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then my other one is just to be nice to people. Just be nice. Very
0: underrated. You like, you know, your relationships are your currency in this game. It's how you be get nice. everything.
1: Everything, yes.
2: Like if something can't happen for you, graciously say thank you and then go on to the next person. You
1: never know. Because
2: people will remember be. you being nice. Yeah. Like, Damn, that guy was... Mo, she was so sweet. You know uh, what? I don't got nothing right now, but I'm going to call her back eventually. And yeah. was like so like nice to me and he spoke you know like being nice is everything
0: i could yeah being nice and operating with integrity um those things are really key in this way like you said people will remember that about you okay thank you mo and thank you both so much for your time guys you stay tuned we're back with another conversation in just a couple of minutes thank you both
2: peace <laughs>